Hey guys, Erica here from Cheers from the Grave. I uh, just wanted to give you guys a heads up that this week's episode is also going to be Nicole and Stephanie. Um, they were gracious enough to at least do two episodes, so that way we can have one for this week. And then, I know last week I said we'd be back on track, but sorry, uh, <laughs> that wasn't the case, and I do apologize for that. And I do apologize that this is late, but thank you guys for your patience. You're awesome. Spooks and cheers, cheers and spooks. Love you guys. Demons, 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 ghosts, demons, 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 possessions, demons, 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 ghosts, demons, demons, demons. I'm gonna exercise you. Hello, everybody. It is Stephanie from Cheers from the Grave. Um, today we're back again with more cryptids, uh, featuring our favorite cryptid storyteller, Nicole. Hello. <laughs> I don't know if I should come in. Yes. You can come in and say hello. Hello. Glad to be back. Yay. Um, so this week we decided to go from our last episode of land creatures and flying and such to our wonderful... All things aquatic. Yes, aquatic. All things aquatic. So this week we will feature... Um, well, I will go ahead and feature mermaids and uh, maybe some sirens, because why not dive into one of those wonderful, uh, <laughs> oh, damn, I did it. I, I, I punned it. I, oh, I just made a dad joke. Yay, Yay for me. Thanks, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Papa. <laughs> um, anyway, no, so I decided why not go ahead and hit up mermaids, especially with all this Little Mermaid controversy going around. Ooh. Ooh. Anyway, I, I don't see any controversy with it. I mean, you do you, boo-boo. She's going to do great. She's going to do wonderful things. She has the, like, legit aerial face. Yes, she does. She the has... big eyes. She does. She has the perfect Disney... Princess Princess face. face. So, go you. Live action. Yes. Perfect Disney princess face. And yes. And Perfect. Anyway, um... Yeah, I'll go ahead and dive right in. Uh, so... With me, I'm going to cover mermaids, as I said. So what is a mermaid? Well, a mermaid is a mythological creature that is half maiden and half fish or sea serpent. Now, these women are often known to be both mysterious and enchanting. Um, they are creatures of the sea and are known to spend the majority of their lives in this environment. Though some tales claim that there were mermaids who had the ability to live both on land and sea, this was often done by shedding their um, shedding their fishtail or skin and hiding it while they were on land. Oh. Um, some of these tails were su supposedly stolen by humans who wished to marry these maidens, and there are legends of humans who forced mermaids into marriage in this manner. So, ugh, men. <laughs> only for the um anyway only for the mermaid to find her tail many years later and escape back into the sea happy ending i guess I, freedom freedom finally free let them live. dumb yes um mermaids are known to be creatures who embody the duality of the sea and as the waters of the ocean can be both gentle and destructive um so the nature of the mermaids you know so can the nature of the mermaids mm -hmm. i can't talk i'm sorry these maidens are known to have caused much mischief and destruction at the expense of humans. However, there are also times that mermaids have been very helpful towards humans. 
some legends speak of mermaids who have had who have saved sailors and their ships during storms or have helped humans cure illnesses that earlier that earlier civilizations had no knowledge of. That reminds me of like just the legend of Atlantis in general. Yeah. Like they're very ahead of their time and everything. That's cool. Um there are hundreds of stories about mermaids um, that have been passed down over years. But according to historians, the first mermaid likely came from the ancient Assyrian mythology. This model for the story was, adop- uh, was adopted by many other cultures who wished to merge their goddess figures with the power and the beauty of mermaids. So that begs the question, are mermaids good or evil? Both. I, I think, I mean, just, just like... Sea people. Sea people trying to live their life. And then, you know, humans got to go fuck it up. Always. Always. Um, (laughs) Although it is undisputed that mermaids are some of the most fascinating creatures from mythology, the question of the intentions of these creatures still remain. Um, There are many reports of cultures that have had some sort of positive interaction with these beings, but there are many more that tell the terrifying and destructive nature of them. Mermaids are often known to drag humans down into the depths of the ocean, killing them in the process. And although there are some cases where this act is without a doubt intentional, there are others that make humans question if they were actually if they actually meant to kill the mortals they dragged under. This is likely from tales of seemingly friendly mermaids that kill humans to drag them underwater. It has been speculated that mermaids may not understand that humans can't breathe underwater or simply forget in their excitement to take them to their realm. This theory is supported by the fact that mermaids have been known to allow men into their underwater kingdoms and shower them with lavish gifts while they remain in these realms. They don't deserve it. Mm Mm-mm. And though it is tempting to put a label on the intentions of these creatures, it appears that many mermaids have free will and are not motivated by um, primal desires to hurt or help. (laughs) Because of this, it is difficult to determine what their intentions are without interaction. Um, So the story of the first mermaid, um, those stories of mermen, are perhaps more ancient than those of mermaids. It is thought that the first mermaid was recorded in 1000 BC by the ancient Assyrians. Her name was Atargetus, and she was known to be the fertility goddess and the chief goddess of northern Assyria. Oh, sorry, I'm laughing at the picture. What is that? (laughs) Sorry, we're looking at the picture that we see currently online, and it is, um... Um... I'll just... I think I can just describe it. What she looks like in the painting or the drawing is her with a mermaid tail, but with two legs in front. So she has two little small legs that don't look like they have thighs, but with a whole mermaid tail just in the back of it. And it's beautiful. It's kind of like if um, Tyrion Lannister was instead a mermaid. (laughs) But wearing a mermaid costume. But wearing a mermaid costume. It just looks like a mermaid costume. Oh, it does. Oh, it's, it's not pretty. Um, a targetess was known to be closely connected to the sky and the sea, and her sacred animals were doves and fish. However, she was also known to have been deeply connected to the people of Assyria, and as chief goddess, she was responsible for their well-being and was often consulted for help. 
After many years of service, after many years of service, Atargatus fell in love with a mortal shepherd boy and desired to make a union with him. Unfortunately, she did not realize that as a mortal, he wouldn't be able to survive the divine lovemaking. Oh my god. Oh no. She accidentally killed him and fell into a deep state of grief. And in a bittersweet turn of events, she also became pregnant with his daughter. But how did he die? I, I have many questions. I also have many questions and they do not specify. Oh no. <laughs> Um, when Atargatus gave birth, she left her daughter on the shore and cast herself into a deep into the deep sea. She attempted to transform herself into a fish because she was so ashamed and devastated that she had killed her love that she had killed her lover. Because of her great beauty, however, the powers of the sea refused to take away all of her magnificence magnificence and only allowed her legs to be transformed into a fishtail. Thus, a targetist became the first mermaid. Okay. Okay. But still, how does one... What is... What is the divine love making? I want to make this. She killed him. Maybe... But was able to have his child. So I don't know in what stage that may have been. Once again, many questions, but... Oof. Many questions I... I want answers to, but also I don't. I'm scared. <laughs> um, so unsurprisingly, Atargatus's story was a source of inspiration for many cu- cultures. She appeared as a figure in many other cultures under different names, and her story was used to give additional powers and characteristics to existing goddesses. Goddesses that were tied to her story over time, including Aphrodite, Cybele, and Rey. I love Aphrodite mm-hmm. so much. Um, in addition to these goddesses, many of the minor sea goddesses inherited her characteristics as well. And a great example of this can be found in the Nereids and Sea Nymphs. Yeah, that seems fine. <laughs> they are often depicted as having both legs and fish tails, depending on where they are located. The Selkies of Icelandic mythology are also known to have similar stories, though instead of a fishtail, they are often thought to have complete seal skins. Oh, I I can get into it with the Selkies, but it's a long story. (laughs) (laughs) They do also share the similar that their skin gets taken by a mortal man in order to be forced to get married. Oof. Yes. Mm -hmm. It happens a lot. Even in mythology... There is arranged forced marriages. Yeah. Ugh. Humans are trash. Yes. If you're offended by that statement. Sorry, not sorry. I oh. am also trash. <laughs> I am also trash. In fact, my shirt that I'm wearing right now says that I am trash. So Not sponsored. Not sponsored, <laughs> but Forky is my spirit animal. It's my spirit toy. Why am I alive? Why am I alive as I scream into the abyss for the millionth time of the day? <laughs> um, so the mermaids that are um, around the world um, are... Blah, 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 blah. Mermaids around the world, though there seem to be many overlapping similarities in mermaid stories worldwide, there are noticeable differences that come from varying cultures. Though in many cultures, the interactions with mermaids and merpeople in general are considered to be fairly rare, and there are other cultures who seem to have had many interactions with these strange sea people. Um, 
the the Nereids. Oh my god, I'm butchering these names. I'm I am so just sorry. Say sea, sea nymphs. These yes, we will call them sea, sea nymphs. <laughs> the sea nymphs were known to be some of the most beautiful creatures to exist in the time of ancient Greece. Now, sea nymphs were beautiful creatures who were often depicted as either having tails or legs, depending on if they were in the water or on land. They were often thought to be found accompanying accompanying Poseidon and were sometimes known to carry his trident. What an honor. What an honor. And also is that is that code? <laughs> <laughs> is this allowed? Is this is this the uh the the spiritual lovemaking or the whatever it was? Oh goodness. Oh no. Um, so the sea nymphs were friendly for the most part and were known to help sailors in times of need. And one of the most famous examples of sea nymphs helping humans was when they decided to help the Argonauts in their search for the golden fleets. The golden fleece. The golden cleats. <laughs> the golden <laughs> cleats. The golden fleece. I remember that story from Percy Jackson. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking more of the old-timey claymation movies. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> oh man. Um, sea nymphs were also known to give birth to influential children. And one sea nymph named Thetis had a child by Zeus who grew up to be Achilles. In fact, the Trojan War was started in part out of Zeus's fear that one of his sons would rise up and overthrow him. Namely, Achilles. Zeus is in everyone's business. <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned from history of, like, Greek mythology is Zeus stuck it in everything and anything. Literally. Literally. Even the mermaids. Even the mermaids. Um, so another um, type of mermaid, um, blah, blah, blah. another type of mermaid that is often referenced is the siren. And although sirens are one of the most common types of mermaid that is recognized in modern day, it is thought that the mermaid stories influenced this creature in ways that were not meant to happen. Sirens were often portrayed as beautiful women from the waist up with wings and a bird's body for their bottom half. They would sing beautiful songs and lure ships towards dangerous rocks with their beauty and mysticism. And when the ships in inevitably crashed... They would feast on the bodies of the sailors, though some stories suggest that these beings were simply content to kill the sailors and leave. What a queen. I know. Same. <laughs> Sirens are some of my favorites. It's very weird that they had bird-like bodies in a sense. Yeah. I wonder how they became all aquatic. Uh, that's what I was wondering, too, because I know that... Um, well, doing my research, I was reading about how... Hera is the reason that sirens exist. Um, pretty much the whole reason that they exist was when Persephone uh, disappeared, um, or should I say, was kidnapped by Hades. And uh, they were mortal girls who served the goddess Persephone, and these lovely girls trailed behind Persephone when she visited her favorite meadow to pick flowers, and they sang to her in sweet voices and played instruments to please her. So when Persephone was abducted, the loyal handmaidens volunteered to help look for her. 
Oh, sorry. It wasn't Hera. It was Demeter. My bad. Woof. <laughs> Demeter gave them golden wings so that they could fly over the earth searching for Persephone. But, when, but the search was vain since Persephone had been in prison in the underworld. Heartbroken over the loss of her daughter, Demeter lashed out against the innocent handmaidens who had failed to bring good news back from their search. She cursed them and declared that they should stay in their bird form until someone passed by their songs without stopping, and at which point they would die. Then she banished them to an in, uh, sorry. Then she banished them to an uninhabited island. Okay, maybe they evolved. Yeah. <laughs> so the only thing I can think of is sirens evolved. Yeah. Um. There was also another form of siren that was a maiden from the waist up and fishtailed from the waist down. This form of siren became increasingly popular as mermaid mythology spread throughout ancient Greece. And this type of siren, sorry, this type of siren became more recognizable than their half avian counterparts. Unlike the sea nymphs, sorry, unlike the sea nymphs, the sirens were known to be omens of bad luck and they brought death and destruction with them wherever they went. Mm. So are we going into Selkies? We can talk about that. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, another form is considered, or is called the Selkie, and although Selkies are still categorized as mermaids, they are often portrayed as having a different transformation process. The Selkies are known to have the gift of... Therianthropy? Sorry. The Selkies are known to have the gift of therianthropy, the ability to change from human to animal form at will. They accomplish this by shedding a seal skin when they desire to be on land and hiding it, and when they wish to return to the water, they would slip back into the skin and blend into the sea. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Um, there are many stories in the Icelandic area of human men who are able to marry Selkie women by stealing their seal skin when they came ashore and hiding it. The Selkies were able to f um, were able to form families and care for humans, much like mortal women. But eventually, they would find their skins and be pulled packed to their homes in the ocean. Yep. Oof. I knew that much about Selkies. <laughs> um, another story of a mermaid is Melusin is the story of the daughter of a fae and a king of Scotland. She's often thought of, she's often thought of as a mermaid because of strange of the strange curse that was put on her for seeking revenge against her father. Melusine's mother was named Presin, and she was as she was a beautiful fae who agreed to marry King Elinus when he happened upon her in the woods one day. He asked her to marry him, and she agreed. And for many years, he upheld his promise. But eventually he broke the oath and Priscine left with their three children. And when Mel Melusin turned 15, she asked why they had not been raised with their father and was told about his transgression. She sought revenge against him, but was punished by her mother for disrespecting King El Elnius. Elnus? Ugh. But was punished by her mother for disrespecting Kel King Elinus. She was cursed to change into a fish with two tails, or in other versions, 
of this story is a serpent from the waist down on Saturdays. Ooh, that's a damper on the weekend. <laughs> Eventually, um, Melusine found the love of her life and agreed to marry him if he promised not to look upon her on Saturdays. He agreed and kept the promise for many years. And one day, however, he became too curious and went to see what she was doing. She forgave him for a time, but when he called her a serpent during a fight, she disappeared, never to be seen again. Wow, how awful. Oof. That's like the fights that you have with your significant other, and he calls you like, like, oh, but you shaped like a bottle of ketchup. And you're like, oh, oh no. my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> All I'm getting from these stories are that men are the worst. Yes. And it's true. Sorry. Not sorry? No. <laughs> there are definitely um, lots of books written about mermaids as well. Um, I know that the classic tales, The One Thousand and One Nights, also has legends of sea people. And unlike traditional mermaid stories, however, these sea people looked almost identical to humans. In fact, the only difference between sea people and human beings was the ability of sea people to live and breathe underwater. Um, sea people were also known to have relationships with humans and sometimes have families together. And their children are also able to live and breathe underwater. The tales of sea people from 1001 Nights include um, Duhalnar, the sea girl, Abdullah the fisherman, and Abdullah the merman, and the adventures of Bulukia. Can you imagine being able to live and breathe underwater and not have the cool tale? It just seems besides the point. I know. I would like. I would love to be able to breathe underwater and do all that stuff, but also I want the tail. It just seems like you can't really move that well. I know. I feel like, like I'm a shit swimmer. <laughs> like I can just picture me being able to breathe underwater, but also doggy paddle. You're still floating on the yes. top, just with your face in the water. Yes. <laughs> um. Another type of mermaid is known to be native to Ireland and is often thought to be given powers to deep dive beneath the waves of the ocean because of a special cap that they were known to possess. This cap was called a Kohulin Druth and was thought to be red in color, and other sources said that the cap was made of glittering salmon skin. Um, it was known that the Marrow Maidens were extremely beautiful in nature and were thought to be near perfect in appearance, and they were often written as having traditional mermaid features with green hair and thin membranes between their hands and feet. The, sorry, the marrow were thought to be friendly towards human beings and were known to sometimes form attachments with a human man. If a human was to engage in these relationships, however, it was necessary to hide the marrow's cool hindruth. Failing to do so properly would result in the maiden finding the cap years later and being driven by her desire to return to her home in the sea. Once Amaro found her cap, she would not return back to her human family. Once again, all I'm getting is women getting held against their will. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, all I have on mermaids and sirens. Well, I learned a lot. Thank you. I really like <laughs> You're that. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. Hey, guys. All right. Thanks, Stephanie, for the mermaids. That was very... Very knowledgeable. <laughs> very knowledgeable. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even think of the word. I learned a lot. That was great. Now, let's take it back 
into the ocean. All dive right. deep, Let's deep, dive right in. Deep down into the ocean. <laughs> Fun fact, I have a terrifying fear of deep water. Yes. Deep yes, ocean water <laughs> because of the many animals that inhabit it. And one of them that I do believe is real that many people don't, but we'll get into that. It's the Luska. The Luska is a Bahamian creature in the water. It also has been spotted near St. Augustine. Oof. <gasps> Road trip to St. Augustine, Erica. Ro- we got to do this. Road trip. Yes, Erica. <laughs> so the Luska, you may not know that name, but it does have another name. Okay. And it is called the Sharktopus. Oh. <laughs> yes, the Sharktopus may or may not be real. I believe it. I believe it. The Bahamas are home to the blue holes, now known to house the extensive underwater cave systems. So they tend to hide under there. Okay. It is here in these natural structures that it is said a sea monster called the Luska lives. The Luska has been described in varying ways. Some cryptozoologists, like us, (laughs) have suggested it is merely a giant octopus that has been misidentified. Many others have described the Luska as a half-shark, half-octopus hybrid monster. And that is just terrifying on its own. Yes. It has razor-sharp teeth and multi-sucker tentacles. It sometimes has many of the same characteristics as a colossal octopus. It has also been described at different times as having multiple heads, dragon-like features, or even appearing as a vaguely described evil spirit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Some eyewitnesses have described the Luska as appearing like a squid-eel hybrid rather than a shark-octopus combination. So I think what we can get from this is it's just a terrifying underwater monster. (laughs) Let's see. All right, the Luska is said to be over 75 feet long, possibly growing as large as 200 feet in some cases. Can we think about how large 200 feet is? Too large is what that is. very large. 200 feet too large. (laughs) (laughs) Just 75 feet in general just seems very big. Yeah. It can change in colors, much like some smaller species of octopus. Its habitat is rugged underwater terrain, large underwater caves, the edge of the continental, or other areas where large crustaceans are found, possibly to eat. Okay. It is speculated that the famous St. Augustine monster, which is another name for it, one of the earliest uh, recorded sightings of a globster monster, was possibly the Luska. The St. Augustine monster was found on November 30th, 1896, on a coast near St. Augustine, Florida. So we definitely have to road trip. Yes. Apparently, they do have pictures of it. Okay. They are in black and white. They weren't the best, okay. but you could see a very terrifying blob of a monster. They do report it was possibly half of the Luska. They don't know which half, though. <laughs> So, it's still up in the air. Oh, no. Evidence from an analysis done in 1995 suggests that it was simply decomposing adipose tissue from a sperm whale, which could be possible like many globsters, though that hasn't stopped the speculation. The Luska has been featured on many TV shows. Okay. So, it's been talked about a lot, including Monster Quest, River Monsters, and Destination Truth. Scientists tend to dismiss the Luska as merely being a giant squid, and of course, some oceanographers have also suggested an explanation for the witness sightings of fishing boats being dragged beneath the surface of the blue holes, with the broken boat pieces floating back to the surface later on. So, it's very similar to the Kraken as well. Okay. Let's see. 
it has suggested cut that it has been suggested that these sightings are actually a natural oceanic phenomenon caused by swift tidal changes this causes water to be sucked back in through the blue holes causing a whirlpool when the currents are reversed the water for, uh, forces the wreckage back to the surface while this theory does make sense considering all the underwater caves and all the water pressure and everything it doesn't account for the other parts of the eyewitnesses accounts which include tentacles and shark-like mouths bursting through the surface. Nah, I'm going to believe it's a shark bus. Yes. Also, Ooh. on the river monster, they have... Let me see. Cut that, cut that. <laughs> All right. Jeremy Wade from River Monsters was investigating the encounters in the blue holes on the island of Andros, and he concluded that the monster was likely a giant Pacific octopus... But he did have his doubts. There was also a study done where they did do underwater diving in the deep ocean caves. And due to how dark it was, they felt something swimming around them, but possibly against the walls. And many scientists argue that it may have been just a giant squid, but it could have been the monster due to the fact that it was just so dark they couldn't tell. Yeah. But that is terrifying knowing that something could have been there the whole time. It kind of like reminds me of the one time I went to... The last time I went to the beach, we were in the water, and I swear to God, I kept feeling something. Like, we were far enough out in the water. Oh, no. Like, it's to the point where I no longer go out into the water at the beach. Um, We were far enough out to where you couldn't feel the bottom of the ocean, but I kept feeling like something was around us, and then we got out, and somebody let us know that there were sharks there, oh, no. and I was like, oh, my fucking God. No. Why would you tell me that? <laughs> I love sharks. They're one of my favorite animals. I do too. But I respect the distance. Yeah. They are in the ocean. I am on land. <laughs> I Except during Shark Week when they're all on TV. You're right. It's the safest <laughs> time to go in the ocean. Good lord. <laughs> uh, sorry. Another monster, which I had already mentioned, the Kraken. It's perhaps the largest monster ever imagined. Can you imagine a Luska and a Kraken fighting each other under the water? No. That's scary. It's terrifying. There's tentacles everywhere. I'm Ugh. scared. It's like a really bad, um, what is it called? What is that anime stuff called? I don't know, but I know sci-fi does have a Sharktopus movie. Check it out. It's awful. <laughs> and I love it. Um, The Kraken is per. yeah, did I say that? Did I say that? The largest monster known to mankind? Yeah, I did say that. Okay, but sorry. Alrighty. For the Kraken, in Nordic folklore, it was said to haunt the seas from Norway through Iceland all the way to Greenland. The Kraken had a knack for harassing ships, and many pseudoscientific reports, including the official naval ones, said it would attack vessels with its strong arms. If this strategy failed, the beast would start swimming in circles around the ship, creating a fierce maelstrom to drag the vessel down. Now, going back to the Luska, it could also just have been the underwater caves that we didn't know about in, like, in the past times. Yeah. So, I mean, you could get kind of scientific with it, but also, we don't know what's under there. Yeah. They haven't discussed, I don't know. The ocean is just a terrifying place for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can understand why. Like, I like pools more than I will ever enjoy the ocean. Yeah, same. Because I can see the bottom of my pool. Even then, I don't trust it. Not yeah. in Florida. Yeah, you're right. Oh, my God. 
Is it real quick? I don't know. It really is. <laughs> All right. Alrighty, the earliest descriptions of the Kraken don't give away too much information. They dwell on the creature's size, claiming that he is the hugest monster in the sea, which alone just terrifies me once again. <laughs> he is so large that he can swallow ships and whales, so large that his body can be mistaken for land, his mouth for a sound, and his teeth for boulders. Ooh. How do you mistake a mouth for a sound? Is it just like where they stand? I never understood that. The sound isn't that um, considered like a. But aren't their mouth? I believe that the kraken, since it's basically a large squid, its mouth is probably like a beak. Yeah, true. That seems like it makes more sense. Well, isn't that considered a sound? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Despite the lack of detail about his appearance, which I don't know anything about outside that he's a giant squid, the kraken's size was enough to secure him a place in Nordic legend. Over time, his appearance was fleshed out, giving people a complete image of his monstrous being. He has a flat body, which tends to emerge from the water in humps like small islands and dozens of long, flexible arms, sometimes called horns, which he can lift out of the water to the height of a ship's mast. I don't like that. No. (laughs) Giant circular waves and swarms of frightened fish usually appear in front of him. Today, he is generally imagined as a giant octopus, a giant crab, what? or some combination of the two. I've never heard of him being, like, a crab, but, like, I can I can kind of see it, like, Possibly. just the way that he is formed. Or it could be many versions of a kraken. Yeah, I still think it's a giant squid, which are real. Yeah. A few years ago, we did find out that we did have giant squid. Yeah, we did. About, what was it, 20 feet long or so? Mm-hmm. And that alone was amazing, an amazing discovery. But what else do we have down there? Well, that's the thing. We know more about space than we do about our own fucking oceans. Possibly a kraken. I mean, I believe it. Oh, another fun fact. They do believe, same for the Luska, there, there is one, at least one, if not maybe up to 20. Ooh. How, that's terrifying. how big is the ocean? <laughs> Ooh. Alrighty, some fun uh, little personality about the Kraken. With his whirlpool-making and ship-swallowing abilities, the Kraken is certainly a dangerous beast, but unlike other sea monsters, he isn't particularly interested in hunting humans, which is a weight lifted off my shoulders. I feel a little bit safer. (laughs) Most of the sailors who have gone down in the Kraken's belly simply didn't get out fast enough. Yeah. That's kind of sad. Yeah. That reminds me of, what was it, the story of Jonah in the whale's belly? Yeah. Not fast enough. In fact, the kraken is a rather lazy creature. Me too. (laughs) It spends most of its time sleeping on the ocean floor. Even when it rises from the ocean floor to hunt, its strategies are passive. That seems like most octopus. Most squid. Hmm. Of course, there are a few stories of the kraken attacking ships, usually because it was disturbed by their passage, which I don't blame him. In these cases, the kraken can be ferocious and merciless, tearing the ship to splinters without any regard for human life. So then it becomes of him just being like, get the fuck out my way, and whoever's going down is going down. Basically, I don't blame him, and I do believe that's where we get all the stories from, of release the kraken, beware of the kraken, all of those. And all of us have probably said those things. Definitely. (laughs) Looking at you, Kyle. 
<laughs> and I used to work at SeaWorld, so I've definitely said Kraken way too many times. Yeah. <laughs> the Kraken may be lazy, but with his size, he couldn't fail to be powerful. Perhaps the most interesting thing about this beast is his unique hunting strategy. The Kraken feeds on fish, thousands and thousands of fish, but rather swimming around the ocean, snapping up one fish one by one, he has devised a way to make dinner come to him. After the Kraken digests a round of fish, we can take up to three months, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> he recycles the waste, spewing out so much vomit or excrement that the water around him is muddied and turbid. Wow. That's disgusting. Yeah, it does sound disgusting, but this hunting method is so effective that the ancient Nordic fishermen sought out the kraken, braving his wrath to get in on the bounty of fish who swarmed above him. So it is a decent strategy, and it's disgusting, but it works for him. The kraken has other skills too, although none of them are quite as practical as his hunting strategy. When he moves, he can create whirlpools that suck... yeah, suck ships to a watery grave. He can also make vocal calls that cause underwater earthquakes. Is that why is wait, is that why California is slowly like coming apart from the US? What if it <laughs> I believe it's a kraken. Yeah. The big one it. is just a kraken. Yeah. Alrighty. See, at the turn of the 18th century, the Kraken began to be relegated to works of fiction. It found a place in poems by Alfred Tennyson and in Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and H.P. Lovecraft's Call of Cthulhu. I am the biggest Cthulhu fan. I love Cthulhu so much. We'll do a whole episode on Cthulhu later on. (laughs) I promise. Today, it remains one of Fiction's most popular sea monsters appearing in movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, Clash of the Titans, and even Game of Thrones. Yes. Now, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but you do, Stephanie. Yes. Did it have a kraken? I am here trying to figure out if it did or not. Apparently it did, but now I think I'm going to have to watch it. I'm thinking more of the kraken was the sigil for the Iron Isles. Was it? Yes. Okay. So the Greyjoys, or is it Grey, Theon Greyjoy? Theon. Yeah, their sigil was a kraken. Oh, not sponsored. Not sponsored, <laughs> sorry. But, I mean, if you want to. <laughs> I do know, fun fact, with the Targaryens, yes. the sigil, the three-headed dragon, it's also possibly the Ghidorah. Yeah. And that's insane to me. I found that out the other day. Ooh. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. While science has discarded the idea of a mile-long monster lurking at the bottom of the ocean, which doesn't seem far-fetched. I believe it's real. Yeah. It has discovered a sensational kraken-like creature, the giant squid, like I mentioned before. And the giant squid is legit real. They did discover him. Yeah. Look it up. It's really crazy. They have a video of it, actually. It's scary. His eye is huge. (laughs) And he does live on the waters off the coast of Norway, which might have been encountered by early sailors, which could have started the yeah. the whole legend. Giant squids can grow up to 42 feet, the length of seven or eight men. 
Like the kraken, they are bottom dwellers who feed mostly on fish, although sperm whales often bear scars from their toothy tentacles. Toothy tentacles. <laughs> they are also capable of spewing dark ink, similar to the muddy substance that the kraken was said to use to attract fish. Now, with the giant squid and with science wanting to debunk the kraken, yeah. I believe that there are bigger giant squids, and that is a kraken. Yeah. What do you think? I believe that, I mean, just from growing up and what I've seen and heard and learned about it even now, I feel like it is a giant beaked squid. Yeah. Like, I feel that's what makes sense. Yes. I think what we learned from this episode <laughs> is that the ocean is terrifying. Yes. And Always and forever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... That was our second episode of Fantastic Cryptids and Where to Avoid Them. I'm Stephanie. I am Nicole. And this is Cheers from the Grave. Have a good night, guys. I'm going to exercise you.